Let's get it on. Are you there? Can you hear me now? I'm connected, right, Daniel? All right. Oh, my goodness gracious. Everything that can go wrong is going wrong today behind the scenes, but we have somehow scotch-taped and chewing-gummed this thing together. We are two MacGyvers right here living on the edge. It's Wrestling Observer Live, and it's Jim Valley. So happy to be with you. It's going to be one of those days, though. I can, uh, I can tell. So hang with us. We'll see what we can do as we move forward on this Saturday. Tons of wrestling to talk about. You know, it's crazy. When I got sick in 2020, I just had to watch SmackDown. And sometimes there were things to talk about. Sometimes it was boring. I didn't bother. In 2020, there was an occasional Saturday wrestling pay-per-view. But now, two years later, maybe... A year and a half later, there's three hours of wrestling every Friday. There's almost always a Saturday pay-per-view or live event to preview, not to mention Sundays. And in just two years, the amount of wrestling content has just exploded. It's crazy having to prepare a show. I spend so much more time gathering news instead of just preparing to talk about it. So we will run down SmackDown Rampage, which aired at 3.30 here, my time on the West Coast, or as Scott Fishman called it, the early bird special. Goodness gracious. Speaking of old people eating early, where are the Karens in wrestling? We need a Karen, and I'll tell you why I came to that conclusion coming up as everything old is new again. We'll talk about all the wrestling and hopefully talk to your manager and talk about all the news coming up. It's Jim Valley, Wrestling Observer Live, Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Listening to Wrestling Observer Live on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Jim Valley, Wrestling Observer Live, 1 800 878 Play, 1 800 878 7529. You can tweet me at uh, Jim Valley. You know, speaking of all of the wrestling content that has exploded, WWE has closed a deal with AE for more programming over the next few years. This will include 35 new biography episodes, 24 more Most Wanted Treasure, as well as 20 or more episodes of a new show called WWE Rivals. 35 biographies? That is going to be some deep cuts, but I'm here for it. I'll tell you what, I can't wait to hear about the life and times of the Brooklyn Brawler. Or out on the range with Mantar. 35 biographies. My God. So much wrestling. 
content. Uh, some good news. Just in time for the summer travel season, Japan aims to reopen international tourism in June. Japan's Prime Minister made the announcement yesterday while visiting London, said that the changes to Japan's entry requirements would be implemented in stages. The Japanese government will wait two weeks to see the impact of the Golden Week holidays before making a final decision. Japan may reopen first to small tour groups before cranking open the door for general tourism. So fingers crossed that maybe by January we can all go to Wrestle Kingdom. And trust me, if you go and they're still wearing masks, respect that. It's not your country. It's not a political statement. It's what they do in Japan. A Tammy Sitch has finally been arrested. PW Insider reporting that Sitch was arrested Friday night in Ormond Beach, Florida on nine charges, including DUI causing the death of a person, DUI manslaughter, driving with a suspended or revoked license, causing the death or serious injury, and seven counts of DUI causing damage to a person or property. An Ormond Beach Police Department report stated that on March 25th, Sitch, who does not have a valid driver's license, crashed into Julian Lassiter's stopped vehicle at, quote, a high rate of speed, causing his death. Upon impact, Lassiter, who was 75, crashed into a third vehicle. The driver and the passengers of the third vehicle were not hospitalized, but complained of neck, backside, and head injuries following the collision. Authorities had not arrested Sitch in the days after the incident as they were awaiting toxicology reports from a blood sample obtained while Sitch was hospitalized. Sitch could face up to 30 years in prison if convicted. Her bond is currently $200,000 for the DUI manslaughter charges and 27500 for the remaining charges. And if you saw the mugshot, Tammy Sitch does not look good. Look, my father was a successful attorney and an alcoholic who died at 48 from alcoholism. I can appreciate the disease of addiction. I can have sympathy for addicts who continue and need to get help. I understand that. You know, my dad might still be alive had they looked at alcoholism in the 70s and prior as a disease instead of a moral failing. However, it is a moral failing to get behind a vehicle when you don't have a license, to drive while impaired. That's a choice, particularly in the age of Ubers, you can get a taxi. Wrestlers use friends all the time to drive them. There's probably some Mark who would still drive Tammy Sitch around. I've got no sympathy for that. And you know what else? This is why it frustrates me. That it's Jimmy Uso, right? Jimmy Uso's got the three incidents of impaired driving. 
it still bothers me that he's on TV and probably is going to go to a big WrestleMania payday with as Roman Reigns looks to be heading toward The Rock. And they're keeping the bloodline together just for that storyline. I will never cheer the Usos, and specifically Jimmy Uso, because of that. Josh Alexander, Impact World Champion, says everything is fine following a car accident that he was the victim of. Alexander posted footage on Twitter of a car showing damage on the front side. He wrote seconds or inches saved us. Don't know the incident, what the details are, but Alexander is scheduled to defend the Impact World Championship against New Japan's Tomohiro Ishii at today's Under Siege event at the Promo West Pavilion in Newport, Kentucky. That's going to air on Impact Plus tonight. Other title matches scheduled for the event, Violet by Design, going to defend their titles against the the, uh, Br- the Briscoe brothers. Also, Taya Valkyrie versus Diana Parazzo for the AAA Rihanna de Rihanna's title. Bullet Club, Jay White, Chris Bay, Doc Gallows, ELP, and Carl Anderson taking on Honor No More, Eddie Edwards, Kenny King, Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, and Vincent. That should be a great match. Chris Saban against Chris Macklin. Alex Shelley against Speedball, Mike Bailey. Tasha Steeles against Havoc for the Impact Knockouts title. And Ace Austin versus Trey Miguel for the Impact X Division title. There's also going to be some pre-match matches. But altogether, a stacked card. Some great matches. If you want to see good wrestling, Impact Under Siege looks to be a great show to check out. Also tomorrow, WrestleMania Backlash. This event is made up almost entirely of rematches from WrestleMania 38. But only one of the good matches from WrestleMania 38. When you think about WrestleMania 38, what do you remember? What are your WrestleMania moments? Austin versus Owens? Not on the show. The Jackass match? Nope, not here either. The only thing you liked that came back card is Cody versus Seth. Here's the uh, full rundown as of Friday morning. Uh, Roman Reigns and the Usos versus Randy Orton Riddle and Drew McIntyre, which is not a title match. So maybe Drew McIntyre pins Roman Reigns to set up their future programs. Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey for the SmackDown Women's Championship in an I Quit match. Bobby Lashley versus Omos. Who who doesn't want to see that again? Happy Corbin against Madcap Moss, who is still wearing his Little Rascals gear. You know, it's really the difference between WWE and AEW. As, as Wheeler Yuta has grown and changed and broken away as a character, and broken away from best friends, and joined the the, uh, combat club. You know, the Blackpool Combat Club. He's changed outfits. Madcap Moss 
still telling his stupid jokes, still wearing his shorts and suspenders, still looking like one of the little rascals. He needs to develop and change his gear to to change as a character. But we'll see what happens there. Also, Edge and AJ Styles and Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins. We'll talk about the Charlotte and Ronda Rousey feud. I mean, WWE is drugged out. Why can't I? And also, everything old is new again in wrestling. Where are the Karens? Talk about that and more. Jim Valley, Wrestling Observer Live, Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. You are listening to Wrestling Observer Live on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Wrestling Observer Live, Jim Valley, live on Saturdays. Hey, I put out the link if you want to uh, check it out on YouTube. You can find it at uh, Jim Valley on my Twitter. Also, if you follow me on Facebook at Jim Valley, I put it out there. So you can follow there. Also on Sports Byline, on Sirius, and of course on your uh, podcast feeds after this wraps up. Speaking of wrapping up, WWE WrestleMania Backlash. They don't wrap up. This Charlotte and Ronda feud is ponderous. And Charlotte is great. I take nothing away from Charlotte. She might be the best talent on WWE TV right now. I take nothing away from her. I think she's fabulous. Ronda Rousey just feels so uninspired. But every week, speaking of uninspired, it just feels like they use a WWE segment generator. This week is a beat the clock challenge. There's a contract signing. Then they're doing this. It just feels like the same old tropes. And people talk about how some stars in AW don't get enough TV exposure. It feels to me like Charlotte and Rhonda have been overexposed. They've gotten too much TV time and no real point. It feels like this feud peaked at WrestleMania. Like the natural thing would have been to have Charlotte lose at WrestleMania. But because the other main event matches had to have conclusions. Austin's not wrestling again. Johnny uh, Knoxville's not coming back. Charlotte and Ronda drew the straw, had to keep going, and so here we are. You know, I've been watching wrestling a long time. Sometimes, unfortunately. Other people were getting doctorates, having families. I was watching wrestling. Yes, kids, if you watch enough wrestling, you too can get up early on Saturdays and do a show jacked up on Mountain Dew. This is your end game, but WrestleMania used to be the end of major feuds. After WrestleMania, on that Monday Raw or that Saturday Superstars, you'd excitedly tune in to see what new things would happen, how things would shift and change. Paul Orndorff lost to Roddy Piper, or lost to Hulk Hogan at the first WrestleMania, and Roddy Piper and Cowboy Bob Orton turned on Orndorff, and he became a, a babyface. 
Bret Hart won the title and started his feud in earnest. After WrestleMania 10, he didn't defend against Lex Luger or Yokozuna. Bret Hart turned heel after losing to Austin at WrestleMania 13. There was a shift in all this. And you know who's to blame? Triple H. Oh, that Triple H. I remember it well. WrestleMania 2000. That four-way match. I was at Disneyland with my wife. Yes, I was in the area and I didn't go to WrestleMania. That's, that's how much I love my wife. But this was pre-smartphone. I had to go all day wondering what happened. At WrestleMania, knowing it was like a mile away from where I was. But by early that evening, people were filtering in, wearing WWE t-shirts at the park. I was on Big Thunder Mountain. It was pulling away from the station. And the guys in line behind me had WrestleMania 2000 t-shirts on. And as we're slowly pulling away, the train is, I turn around and I yell, who won the title? And the guy goes, to my surprise, Triple H. I thought he was ripping me. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. And it was the first time ever a heel had won WrestleMania to close it out. But it, it made sense. WWE was super hot to get an extra buy rate more money out of people they charged you to see the rock to win that title one more time and it worked the first buy rate at that backlash did 675,000 buys huge for a non-wrestlemania branded pay-per-view from a business standpoint from a popularity standpoint it made perfect sense but today, WWE's already bought and paid for. It doesn't matter who watched the premium live events on Peacock. Peacock is already flitting the bill. Now we're just holding feuds past their expiration date because WWE has got time to fill. It's got 10 pounds of laundry and 5 pounds of soap. Feuds are extended because WWE needs content, not because they have a compelling story to tell. And Charlotte versus Ronda is not compelling. Last night on Rampage, the Women's Owen Hart Foundation Tournament was announced. They are the quarterfinals, Tony Storm versus Jamie Hayter, which makes sense. Ruby Soho versus the returning Riho. Red Velvet versus Hikaru Shida. And Britt Baker draws the Joker in the deck, the mystery opponent. Also, on uh, Rampage last night, Tony Storm and Ruby Soho defeated Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter when Tony defeated Britt, which, which makes sense. Also, Hook defeated... J.D. Drake tapped him out quickly, but after the match, Danhausen came out to a conference with Hook, and the crowd chanted, Hookhausen! Interesting. 
Dan Housen asked Hook to be in his corner for the match with Tony Nese next week. And Hook shoved Dan Housen down. down Dan Housen left chips for Hook. Hook wasn't interested, and he left the chips behind. As I mentioned, the returning Rio defeated Yuka Sakazaki, which is a fun name to say. And Excalibur was running down the card for Dynamite when Jungle Boy ran out and attacked Ricky Starks. Starks ran off. Jungle Boy held up the FTW title belt that Starks left behind. The music played. The crowd chanted for Jungle Boy. So maybe a feud over the FTW title with Jungle Boy. Jay Lethal with Satnam Singh and Sanjay Dutt defeated Takashita. Great match. I enjoyed it a lot. After the match, Singh and Dutt hit the ring to beat up Takashita, but the best friends ran in to try to make the save. It didn't work. Singh grabbed Taylor by the throat, bounced his head off the mat like a basketball. Orange Cassidy got on the apron, distracted Singh. Samoa Joe came out with a big pipe, but before he got the ring, a gaggle of security geeks got between Joe and, uh, and the ring. You know, that was it. Fine. You know, there was really, really nothing that exciting in wrestling this week. And I've been talking about how the 90s are back in WWE. And we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. But there's some trends in technology we've seen before. WWE had its earning call. WrestleMania was the most viewed premium live event ever. And the second biggest live event on Peacock behind the Super Bowl. Nick Khan also talking, saying he believes Netflix would start bidding on live sports because of the advertising revenue they could make. He said that Apple TV has been exploring live sports for almost two years, aggressively went after the uh, NHL, and they're going to be having Friday night exclusive baseball games this season. Streaming is new. It's not old, but we've seen this before. When wrestling first became popular, black and white televisions, what was one of the most popular shows? Pro wrestling. Vern Gagne. And then earlier, you know, Vern Gagne on the Dumont Network. But before that, Gorgeous George. You know all about that. So many people bought black and white televisions just to see Gorgeous George. Wrestling got overexposed, and we never saw it on primetime TV until 35 years later with Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. And then as local TV flourished, local channels turned to local promotions on wrestling, and your local stars were popular wherever you lived. Cable TV, the first TV show ever to hit a million viewers on cable TV. Georgia Championship Wrestling with Wildfire Tommy Rich on WTBS. Now TBS. And Tommy Rich was a sensation. Mr. Wrestling 2 was a big star. And now in the streaming era, WWE is there. 
everything old is new again. Wrestling is easy to understand. It's relatively easy. You point a camera. Well, I couldn't sleep the other night. And YouTube's algorithm pointed something out to me. Everything old is new again. Where are the Karens in wrestling? We'll talk about that coming up next. Jim Valley, Wrestling Observer Live, Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. You are listening to Wrestling Observer Live on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. If you weren't watching the YouTube link, you missed out. Everything's been going wrong today, so my hair looks awful. And I ran and got a hat, and I put on my uh, dancing Jushin Liger hat. So you missed that during the break if you weren't uh, watching. So lucky you, the three people watching. Congratulations. It's Jim Valley, Wrestling Observer Live on Saturday. Follow me on Twitter at uh, Jim Valley. As I mentioned, I couldn't sleep the other night. And YouTube's algorithm fed me the Global Wrestling Federation. You remember Global, the Patriot, the Lightning Kid, Jerry Lynn. Well, as you remember, it went to hell. And I forgot that it was on in 1994. I didn't remember that it it lasted that long. Back then, you know, I was a young man. I was busy with my career and dating women, not necessarily in that order to my own detriment. But, you know, I just wasn't following Global that much. And... You know, by this time, the money had run out. It was just a roster of the local Texas stalwarts. Chris Adams, Black Bart, Scott Puxky, and some younger talent like Chaz at the time. But do you remember the movie Pee-wee's Big Adventure? Remember the bad guy who stole Pee-wee's bike, Francis? I know you are, but what am I? Well, Global had a wrestler, and they called him Francis Buxton, because wrestling steals everything from movies. At least it did. And this guy was fat, no muscles, a blonde mullet, sort of like a less imposing Brian Nobbs. He called himself Fearless Francis Buxton, but the announcers called him Crybaby. And again, getting back to everything old is new again. For those who don't know, there used to be a rotund heel manager called George Crybaby Cannon, who would cry. Now, Francis Buxton was this wimp, and he would cry, and but he would talk a big game, because that's what, that's what heels did. But the part of the act that really... I thought made this work was his mother. A woman came down to ringside with him in the manager role, dressed up as an old lady. She had a gray-haired wig and an old lady dress and a flowered purse, and her hair was done up high, and it looked like good stage makeup, like you'd see an old woman dressed up in a play. You could tell she wasn't an old lady, but it looked passable. Now, I was so compelled by this that I found the gentleman who played Francis on Facebook, and he told me that this woman 
was from the theater department at a local college, which is brilliant. And she didn't know anything about wrestling. He says he had to smarten her up. And I'll tell you what, this woman had great instincts. And Jim Cornette, everyone knows about Jim Cornette's mother, famously. But she was never on camera. Jim Cornette's mother would pay for everything and he would talk about it. And fans hated him for it. But we never saw her. This woman, we saw. And in one match, she paid off an opponent to lay down to for Francis. In another match, she called the opponent over and was negotiating with him. And while she was offering him money, Francis came up from behind him with a chain, snuck up and <laughs> clocked him in the head, knocked him out to win the match. This Francis character has no wrestling he has to do, very little, very basic rudimentary, rudimentary wrestling, which got me thinking. In today's era of NIL NXT, where you bring in athletes with no wrestling and no experience. You need to get them up to speed. Why not give them a character where they don't have to be a good wrestler right away? And this also got me thinking. For better or for worse, WWE is doing characters. Not saying I like it, not saying you like it, but it is what it is. This is the road they're going down, it's obvious. They've got the college guy. And the Carnival Dancers. And they've got the Legally Blonde character. And they've got the Pretty Deadly guys. They're doing, they've got the Psychotic guy. They're doing characters. That's the future of wrestling. It's obvious that in TikTok, Vince wants people, you recognize immediately, that's who that person is. Well, it's so hard to get heat today. There's limits on what you can say or do. Which, believe me, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. Because it also brings out creativity. But not only that. Society's priorities have changed. Today, the million dollar man would be a good guy. People want money. Influencers brag about what they have. People, people like that. You're now a baby face because people want that. But you know what people still hate? They hate the undeserving wimp. Fans in WWE still hate The Miz. They hate Baron Corbin. You go back, they hated the honky-tonk man. And I think that if you updated this Francis Buxton character to today as someone who got everything, Thanks to his mother. Thanks to a Karen who wants to speak to his manager. I think that would work perfectly in today's WWE. People don't like that Karen person. People don't like the person who cuts in front of them in line at a restaurant or a theme park or the grocery store. People don't like the person who thinks they're more important than you are because you're the one who's the most important. We all know this. So if you updated this wimp character 
however you wanted to do it, and then gave him a mother who was rich and gave him everything. This guy didn't hustle. This guy didn't do anything. This guy or this woman got it. And this woman could have a daddy who gave them everything. And she's daddy's girl. Now understand what I'm saying. I'm not talking about an Oedipus thing at all. I'm just talking about someone who spoils their kid. And you could get a woman who has wrestled before, like an Ivory or a Victoria, who looks like a modern, older woman, still looks great, but obviously isn't in their 20s or 30s. You give her the Karen haircut. And she comes down with her, sort of like Vicky Guerrero, but different. Because this woman has money, and this woman buys everything for this character, this wrestler, this undeserving wrestler. Sort of like Miz, but worse. The Miz, at least at times, can back things up and wins on his own. He cheats, but he still wins on his own. He's a scumbag, he's a wimp, but he can still cheat and pull it out. This character, this Francis Buxton, this crybaby, wouldn't be able to do anything on his own. He needs his mommy to do everything for him, whether it's buying things or it's distracting things. And because we're in the NIL area, this wrestler would stall all the time, not wanting to get hit. This wrestler would run from behind and just be on offense when someone gets distracted and cheated. They would need to kick and punch and just take rudimentary falls. And they could learn wrestling while they go. They could even look pretty good. You know, you could take a Lash Legend, who's a really good athlete, but still terrible at wrestling, and she could just not want to dirty her hands yet. And this mother character could come out and take care of everything for Lash Legend or whomever. I'm just using her as an example. And as this character got more comfortable in wrestling, behind the scenes, they could do more wrestling and they could learn as a wrestler and so it would be good for the individual hide their weaknesses but it would also get heat and you could use this wrestler as a character on TV WWE is going back to characters that is no question and this character has worked for generations. George Crybaby Cannon. And you could update this as a Karen. And as a manager. And have a Crybaby character that nobody likes. Kids wouldn't like it. Kids would relate to it. This guy is a mom that does everything for him. Just like I have at school. That I dislike. I think it would work. What are your thoughts? 1-800-878-PLAY. 1-800-878-7529. It's Jim Valley, 
Wrestling Observer Live. Hey, I wanted to talk about something. I was, uh, you know, I do, uh, I did uh, the stuff at Defy last Saturday. And I do the, the backstage nets. Like I was, I was on that streaming event for about 20 seconds. Boy, that was, that was fun. Anyway, it was very interesting to see John Moxley. You know, I love John Moxley. John Moxley may be my favorite wrestler. And it's not necessarily because he's a great wrestler. It's because he has so much passion. You know, that guy made millions of dollars. He's set for life. That guy loves wrestling. And I think that's why I love John Moxley. You know, he's not the best wrestler. He doesn't have like the best punches. He doesn't always, you know, have the most outstanding moves. But God, that guy's got passion. And I'll tell you what, a lot of the night, you know, he's backstage. He's kind of hiding out in his dressing room, getting ready with Lawler. And that's totally cool. But before the match, a few minutes before the match, I got to see his process. And maybe I'm talking out of school a little bit. But that guy, he puts on his headphones. And he's playing, was it Blink-182 maybe? Something late 2000s, early 90s. I forget. But it was something like that. And it was so effing loud, you could hear it throughout the entire backstage. And this dude starts, you know, there's not a lot of room and he's trying to be respectful, but he starts kind of walking the hallways like an animal, pacing back and forth like a caged tiger. And as the music's louder, he's getting more and more psyched up. You could see it in his body language. You could see it in his eyes. His eyes, he got crazy eyes. And that guy came out and he fights with passion, and he bleeds all over the place, and man, he doesn't need to do it. He's That guy's a millionaire, but he loves it. He loves wrestling. He loves the fans, and that's why I love John Moxley. He's the coolest man. Wrestling Observer Live, Jim Valley, Sports Byline, Broadcasting Network. You are listening to Wrestling Observer Live on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Why do we have that bumper? Sounds like we're doing some sort of new age show. Get your crystals out. We're going to start chanting. I, I don't know what that is. Anyway, wrestling shows should have butt rock and power ballads and, and grunge and, you know, stuff you can steal catalytic converters to. That's, that's the kind of music for a wrestling show. Come on. Speaking of wrestling shows, you know, I've done, what, three or four of these now since I've been sick, coming back from being sick. I'm still feeling everything out, and usually, you know, when I do the shows before, there was less wrestling to talk about. I also know there's there's an expectation 
Brian does his show every week. It goes a certain way. I think people who don't watch wrestling daily want to hear a quick recap to know if they missed anything on television that they should watch or to be able to keep up with the storylines without watching. So I try to be cognizant of that. But at the same time, I want to do my show, what what I want to talk about. And the purpose of this show is for is for me. To serve you, obviously, but if I'm not having fun, why am I why am I doing the show? So I'm still feeling the show out. I'm sorry about that. It's still I still feel like I'm not I'm not quite in talk show shape. I'm not quite yet up to speed in the moment. Not not in ring shape. I'm still a little rusty figuring out what the purpose of this show is with so much wrestling content to cover. What's to cover, what's not to cover, to make time for me to go off on my rants about wrestling Karens or because of the fans or why Cody Rhodes is the best wrestler in the world or Lacey Evans. I never got time to talk about the return of Lacey Evans. Maybe, maybe next week. Give me your thoughts. Tweet me at uh, Jim Valley or find me on Facebook at Jim Valley. Have a great week. We'll talk next week. It's Jim Valley, Wrestling Observer Live, Sports Byline Broadcasting Network.